Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. and I am happy to be preaching with you this morning. Um, can we get the uh, screen put up? We have slides today. Alrighty, it's good to be uh, back preaching. I heard that uh, uh, Mitch was here last week, did a great job, and thankful for uh, new friends to come along and uh, preach when I'm not available, and I'm thankful to be back. So always, always good there. Uh, so let's talk about working. Let's talk about going to a job. Let's talk about careers, things like that. Um, I've been working since I was about 15. Um, by the time I graduated high school, I had worked at a local diner for a year, started as a dishwasher, worked my way up to prep cook, and then became a line cook. Real excited about that. I worked at a local hardware store for about 10 months, and then uh, my last semester of high school, I worked at a Rite Aid, which is like a, like a, like a drug store. I worked there kind of off and on through college. Uh, I've worked a ton of jobs since then. Uh, some I've loved and really enjoyed, some eh, not so much. Uh, even the ones I've hated, though, I did my best to stick with it because did the paycheck. You work and you get money. Um, but really, though, I've been working a lot longer than uh, 15 because uh, I've had chores ever since I was a little boy. Uh, I've had chores around the house. Um, you know, I didn't get paid for these things. I remember, like, we had a big backyard and I had to, like, go around and pick up sticks. We had all these trees because otherwise the lawnmower would crunch them up. And if I uh, didn't do that, then, like, my parents would say to me, like, hey, you have to do this because it hurts the lawnmower. Um, so lots of chores. Uh, doing chores is something that's still on my radar. You know, you kind of grow up and you work your job, and guess what? You come home, and there's things around the house you need to do as well. So chores are, are, are with a part of our lives. So there's things I do daily or weekly or monthly that just need to get done. Uh, most of these things I don't mind doing. I actually like washing dishes. It's kind of fun. I actually like uh, using the vacuum. I know at one point I spoke about my love of Dyson, and we have one of those um, uh, battery-powered Dyson vacuum cleaners. I love using that thing. It's great. You can vacuum the whole house and just plug it back in. You don't need to unplug it. It's, it's it, like when you're using it, it's so great. Um, so there's a lot of chores I like doing. There's some chores, though, I still very much drag my feet uh, with doing. Uh, we have a fish tank. It's probably about yay big, maybe about three or so gallons. I'm terrible at cleaning it out. I like drag my feet doing it. And the thing of it is, from start to finish, it takes maybe 20 minutes. And it's something I have to do maybe every three or so weeks. And yet it just... It is just a painful for me to do this. I actually am kind of embarrassed when we, went, when we went on vacation. I forgot to like load them up with food. And when we got back yesterday, I was like, I don't know if this fish is still going to be alive. And there it was swimming around without being fed for a week. So I guess my lack of cleaning has maybe made the fish even stronger. I don't know. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so that's the chores and stuff. So we're back this week on our series on the Ten Commandments. We're going to be talking about work. We're going to be talking about rest. We're going to be talking about the Sabbath, the Fourth Commandment. What is that all about? So we'll dive in uh, after we pray. So please pray with me. Lord, we are uh, thankful to be gathered together to be studying your word. We are thankful for the truth of your commandments when first given uh, to the Israelites through Moses. We are thankful for the truth of your commandments throughout the ages, and we're thankful for the truth of your commandments even uh, through today as followers of Jesus in this uh, 21st century. Uh, this Lord, uh, Lord, this morning I pray I'd be able to indeed preach and proclaim your truth. I pray if I say anything that's not of you, that that would be forgotten 
uh, but ultimately you'd be brought glory and honor and that we'd uh, learn to better be your disciples as a result of this. Amen. All right, so as with our other commandments in this series, let's talk about some kind of basic popular level understanding of what this commandment is about. Uh, Most translations in English have something to the effect of, uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Um, I picked a bit of an unusual translation for us this morning. It was from a translation called The Voice, uh, which reads very similarly. Uh, It's you and your family are to remember the Sabbath day set it apart, uh, keep it holy. And as a child, you know, kind of growing up in the church, growing up in the faith, I understood this simply as like, hey, don't go to your job on Sunday. Uh, You can't do physical labor. And that's the kind of thinking that has actually permeated actually some of our laws here in America. Uh, There's a concept of blue laws that exists. Are are you guys familiar with the concept of blue laws? Some some shaking of your head, yes? Well, if you're you're not familiar with what that that idea is, there's actually laws that determine certain types of business that can or cannot be conducted um, on a Sunday. Uh, many of them are related to the, to the sale of alcohol or something about guns and hunting. Um, in, in kind of like researching this, apparently Arizona up until 2010 had limited like availability of alcohol sales on a Sunday, uh, but that law has been repealed. Um, weirdly, there's about 13 or so states that either prohibit or limit the sale of cars on a Sunday, which is just very interesting to me, also part of this blue law concept. One of those is actually Pennsylvania, which is the state I grew up in, and I bought a car one time, but apparently it was not on a Sunday because you can't sell cars on on a Sunday in Pennsylvania. It's very, very fascinating. Um, And while not a federal law, uh, Chick-fil-A is famously closed on Sunday. That's an example of a business everyone knows is closed on a Sunday. You're driving home, you see the the billboard, you're like, I want to stop and get Chick-fil-A, and then you have to pause and be like, it's Sunday, we can't go there. The struggle is real. Uh, so one of the goals, though, in this series is to understand, like, how to apply these commandments, though, as broadly in our lives as we possibly can. So the idea of not working uh, or stores not being open on Sunday, certainly I, I like aspects to that. I would agree with that. I think it's a, a good thing. Uh, but I think that's a bit of a narrowing down of this commandment a, a, a bit too much. Uh, so if we view keeping the Sabbath simply as just not doing any work one day of the week, I think that's just a little bit uh, too myopic. Uh, Now, if it is the case that honoring the Sabbath means, hey, don't go to work on Sunday, guys, I have some bad news for you. Like, what am I doing right now? I'm working right now. I'm mentally punched in uh, about eight o'clock this morning. And so each week I'm up here preaching and leading services. And so if, you know, if keeping the Sabbath is all about avoiding work on Sunday, we got to figure this one out. I can't be preaching here on Sundays, uh, you know. So obviously that being uh, a little, little snarky, a little, little jokey with that comment. Uh, but yeah, so if our discussion on keeping the Sabbath is whether or not you punch the time clock on a Sunday, uh, well, certainly part of the conversation is too narrow of a focus. And it gets all the more tricky because uh, a lot of folks don't have a typical Monday to Friday job. A lot of folks work weekends, have, uh, you know, unusual hours, things like that. So With some of that said, let's kind of go broadly, really try to understand this commandment in a a thoughtful and nuanced manner. Uh, The first thing I kind of want to focus in on is that this commandment is the longest of all of the commandments. Um, In English, in the voice translation that we're using today, it's about 109 words. In the NIV translation, it's 97 words in English. In Hebrew, the original and underlying language, it's over 50 words. It's the longest of the Ten Commandments. And the, the main idea, the, the, the part you easily memorize is, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. 
You know, that, that's fairly easy to memorize. You know, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. And then hopefully that naturally leads to the question of like, oh, well, what is exactly does that mean? What does keeping something holy mean? That, that should be like the next question uh, that we ask ourselves. And that's where verses 9 through 11 come into play. In these verses, in this text, there's a long explanation of what the commandment means. It gets some ins- we get some insight into how we, re- we remember the Sabbath, how we keep it holy in these verses. Uh, so you and your family to remember the Sabbath day, set it apart, keep it holy. You have six days to do all your work, but the seventh day is to be different. It is the Sabbath of the eternal, your God. Keep it holy by not doing any work. Not you, your sons, your daughters, your male or female servants, your livestock, or any outsiders living among you. For the eternal made the heavens above, the earth below, the seas, and all the creatures in them in six days. Then on the seventh day, he rested. That is why he blessed the Sabbath day and made it sacred. Uh, So we uh, see the Israelites are expected to get all of their work done in six days, but on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath day. And Sabbath means uh, day of rest. And here in Exodus 20, in, in, in the text we're looking at, uh, the reason given for the day of rest is that God uh, rested after six days of working. You know, in the beginning of our Bibles, the very first chapter, Genesis chapter 1, uh, it's described uh, as, as God is creating the world and everything in it in six days, and then there's a day of rest. And so God has set the precedent for this commandment. You work six days, and then you rest And so uh, God did this in creation, and then the Israelites are expected to follow the pattern, work for six days, and then rest. And then again, if you think about it for a second, it raises another interesting question, like, why did God uh, rest? After creation of the world, why did God rest? You know, was God tired? You know, after all that, that's a lot of work to go from nothing existing to suddenly everything existing. Like, that's kind of hard to fathom. That sounds very labor-intensive. And so did God, need a power, uh, did God need a power nap? Did God need a Red Bull? Did God need a Snickers to get uh, re-energized? Is that, is that what, was God tired? Probably not. No, of course not. Uh, God stopped working because the work was done, was done and God wanted to enjoy creation. The work was done and God wanted to enjoy creation. Uh, we see the phrase, and it was good, all throughout the creation narrative, uh, God does something, and then it was good. And thus, God wanted to enjoy the goodness of what God just did. And so here in Exodus 20, we see a parallel between why God rested and why the Israelites should rest. Uh, they are to get all their work done in six days, and then on that seventh day, they are to enjoy creation. On the seventh day, they are to come together uh, to worship Yahweh collectively as a people. Uh, They are to worship their creator, enjoy life, and be thankful for what God has given them. And unlike God, this is also a day for them to have some time off, to recuperate, to be thankful, to enjoy time with their families and the good things that God has done for them. And what's interesting also is that in this commandment is that part of its clarification in verse 10, there's also a list of those who benefit from keeping the Sabbath. Uh, we see that it says that it's not your uh, sons, your daughters, uh, your male or female servants, your livestock, or any of your uh, outsiders living among you. And so all of Israel benefited from this commandment. It's given for the benefit of, of the entire nation. 
Obviously, that's true of all the Ten Commandments. All of them are given for all of Israel, but here it's specifically called out that it's making sure that no one uh, is, is, is able to miss out on this. The entire nation benefits from this. It's for all ranks and levels of society. It's for the grown men and the women. It's for the sons and the daughters. It's for the male and female servants. It's for any outsiders, foreigners, aliens, sojourners that are living among them. Even the animals, even the animals are to get a Sabbath. Um, and that's very interesting. We see God's care and concern even for the animals in this commandment. And that might make for an interesting sermon. What does the Bible say about animals? I mean, maybe that's something we'll cover at a later date. Uh, but it makes it abundantly clear that every level of society gets to keep the Sabbath. Even those who are poor and lowly get a break as well. Again, it's for everyone. And I think there's this detail that's included is because there might be the temptation for those who are wealthy and for those who maybe have people under them that, you know what, like this commandment might not apply to them. It would be very easy to think like, well, I'm, I'm well-to-do, I'm rich, I have a lot of business to attend to. The people that I have under me, I'm paying them. They work for me. I need to keep my affairs in order. So they don't need any time off. They're fine working. Like, I don't need to follow this one. And if that was the thinking for someone in that day and age, that would be the wrong thing to be thinking. That would be the wrong attitude for them to have. And so it should be abundantly clear that every level of society, no matter who you are, where you're at, like what you're doing with your life, like what age you are or anything like that, um, you deserve rest. You deserve to be part of the communal worship of God. Uh, no one should think for one second that they don't deserve rest or that those under them don't deserve rest as well. And so here in Exodus 20, we see a reason given for the Sabbath. Rest from your work because God rested. And thus far, we've been spending our time looking at the Ten Commandments um, as they're presented in the book of Exodus. We've been in Exodus chapter 20 uh, during our series. And in our very first week, I mentioned that the Ten Commandments actually show up twice in the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, they show up in Exodus 20, and they show up again in Deuteronomy 5. And what's interesting is that when you see them in Deuteronomy, we see a different reason as to why the Israelites are told to keep the Sabbath. The, the, the very, uh, a lot of the text is, is the same, but it ends differently. I have the text up here, and the, the small stuff at the top is like the same stuff, and then at the bottom is where it gets a little bit different. And overall, it starts off and it reads very similar to what's in Exodus. Honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, rest on the seventh day. This is for all levels of society, for, for your male and female servants, your animals, all that. But what's interesting about Deuteronomy is um, that the, uh, the final clause is not the same. The concluding remarks of why you should keep the Sabbath are different in Deuteronomy. So in Exodus, they're told to keep the Sabbath because God rested on the seventh day. But here in Deuteronomy, it says they're to keep the Sabbath because they were enslaved as people, but God delivered them from their bondage. It says, remember what it was like when you were a slave in Egypt. Then with overwhelming power, I brought you out of there. That's why I've commanded you to observe the Sabbath each week. And so when they, uh, uh, when they keep the Sabbath, when they refrain from work and instead come together and worship, they do this as a reminder of God's activity on their behalf. So keeping the Sabbath uh, was a sign of God's redemption on their behalf. It was a sign of their unique status as God's children. And so Sabbath was sort of like for us when we take communion on a regular basis. We take communion as a reminder 
of what Jesus did for us. Communion points to the redemptive work of Jesus, and so that's what Sabbath was like as well. It was a sign of the covenant that the people made with God. It was reminding them that Yahweh had saved them in a real and powerful and mighty way and to like, not lose sight of that, to have that be at the forefront of like, how they live their lives. And so I think that's why there was an emphasis on the servants being allowed to keep the Sabbath as well as, as the lowly of society. There's the, the, the emphasis there because God doesn't want anyone to be oppressed. And when you're under someone else's authority, you run the risk of being oppressed by working too much, by just having too much put on you. And God wants to break free of that. And so the Sabbath provides a break in time and provides the opportunity to rest and to recuperate. And so I think seeing that nuance between Exodus and Deuteronomy shows that even in the original context, even in, with the commandments originally being given, uh, there was this idea of keeping their understanding very broad, not to narrow them down, but keep them very uh, broad, keep them in their, to see them in their fullest sense, not the most narrow. And uh, actually, we can push this even further. Um, we get to uh, Leviticus 25, we see the, uh, the idea of Sabbath being pushed further, that the Israelites are commanded to give the land itself rest. Every seven years, the land was supposed to be at rest too. They were supposed to cancel all their debts. They were supposed to free their slaves uh, at this time as well. So every seven years, just the land just is supposed to sit there and not do anything. And then to take it even a step further, every 50 years, there was the year of Jubilee where they had an extra year to let their land rest. So every 50 years, there were supposed to be two years where the land just rests. So they had these built-in rhythms in their law code of weekly you rest, and then every seven years you allow, you allow the land to rest, you, you cancel all the debts, and then every 50 years, like, we, just, we go all in, we, we double that. And so like, there's like Sabbath uh, plays itself out in very interesting and unique ways in their law code. And so that's some of the basics of how we understand the Sabbath for Israel. Let's kind of you know, transition, talk about Sabbath today. Well, if you read the New Testament, you read the life of Jesus, you'll notice that there's a bunch of times that it involves him doing work on the Sabbath. Jesus seems to go out of his way to do things on the Sabbath. He often heals people on the Sabbath. That was considered work. Um, there's another story where him and the disciples, they're walking along, they're picking grain on the Sabbath and they're eating it. That's also considered work. And again, we see this again and again and again, Jesus healing someone, and then the Pharisees, who are always kind of like getting into arguments with Jesus, they get all up in arms about this, and like, oh, you're breaking the Sabbath, Jesus, what are you doing? And to sum up a lot of history, to sum up like hundreds of years of history, by the time of Jesus, uh, the, the idea of keeping the Sabbath became very overly complicated, it became very convoluted. So there were all these debates about what it meant to uh, not do work on the Sabbath. And out of all of these debates grew this long list of what did and did not constitute work. And so by the time of Jesus, the idea of uh, Sabbath actually became a chore. The idea of keeping Sabbath became a burden. Ironically, it became the opposite of what it was intended to be because you were always like living in this paranoia that you were breaking the Sabbath by, by doing certain actions. And Jesus, he likes to like poke at the Pharisees. And I think that's why he almost went out of his way to heal on the Sabbath, why he went out of his way to do certain actions on this, on, on this day, to just to show them just the hypocrisy of this. Like the Sabbath is supposed to be rest and you've made it a burden for people. You're just completely missing the point. Uh, the Sabbath was meant to be a day of freedom from work, a day to remind you of the freedom that God has given you because you were rescued from Egypt. And so being obsessively concerned about whether an action is considered work or not is not the point. And when you just become exhausted and just get into all these arguments and debates about it, just, you're just, you're, oh, 
oh, you're, you're missing the point. You're, 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 you're making more work for yourself. And so what better day to help release people from their physical burdens than on the Sabbath? If someone is hurting and needs healing, what better day to, to bring them rest than on the Sabbath? And so Jesus didn't want the Sabbath to be a burden. And I think likewise for us, we don't want the Sabbath to be a burden for anyone. And so, so when we talk about the Sabbath, what that means for us, let's not make that a burden. Let's not make that legalistic. And so here's three takeaways for us, three things that I want us to mull over. And so the first of this, the, um, the idea of keeping the Sabbath involves trusting in God. The idea of having a Sabbath is, involves trusting in God. It means when we take Sabbath, when we take rest, when we do actions to bring rest to the world, uh, it means that we're trusting God with our time, that we don't need to work ourselves into the ground. We don't need to have others work themselves into the ground uh, day in and day out with any kind of, without any kind of break for fear of losing what we've worked for. So I think the idea of uh, Sabbath rest, you know, taking that very broadly, is uh, this idea of trusting God with our time. Uh, there's a sense of trust. And it's kind of like with tithing. We make money, we tithe some of it back to God, we give it away to different charities, to a church, to like people that need it, whatever that looks like. And when we do those actions, we basically tell God like, hey, I'm trusting you here. I'm trusting that I have stuff, that I've been blessed with things, and that I can give it away and I'll still be okay. So ultimately when we tithe and give our money and our resources away, that's an act of trust. And I think the same thing is true of Sabbath. The same thing is true of that, that we have time and we give it away and we're okay. We have this thing, we can give it away and we're okay. So it's like telling God, like, I trust you with the 10,080 minutes that I have this week, that I can give some of those things back and I'll still be okay. Like, my life is not going to fall apart. So I think the idea of, of keeping the Sabbath, uh, there's, there's, a, there's an act of, of trust, there's an act of worship there uh, with that. And so then this naturally would lead to the question of, do you allow yourself a Sabbath? Uh, do you allow yourself some sort of Sabbath rest? Do I have time throughout my day, throughout my week, to, re- to uh, re- uh, relax and refresh? And pragmatically, we all need rest, about eight hours each night. You know, if, you, if you stay up for more than three or four days, like, your body starts to shut down. So pragmatically, we all need the, the, these patterns of literal rest. Uh, that's one of, the, the, one of the benefits of Sabbath. It allows us rest. But do we value that? Do we understand the importance of periods of rest in our lives, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, you know, whatever that looks like? Uh, do we understand the value and the, important, uh, and the importance just of the sacredness of time and how every moment does not need to be tied up in work? Every moment does not need to be tied up in being productive. You know, we have this beautiful world that we live in, this beautiful creation to enjoy. We have families to spend time with, friends to spend time with, a God to worship. You know, do we understand that? Do we value that? Do we protect that? Do we guard that? Do we make space for rhythms that allow us to have rest? You know, the idea of keeping Sabbath is the idea of setting aside time for God, for family, and for rest so that these things can be enjoyed. And so, are we resting? Are we able to enjoy life, uh, tithe of our time, give that time back, and give that back to God and say, I am trusting you with this, that all of this is not mine to have, that rest is a good thing, I want to enjoy time for myself, my family, my friends, enjoy uh, time to worship you. 
And like I said in my introduction, I started working when I was 15. And in that, I think I've learned that I have some very workaholic tendencies and I find value and meaning in working. And I think that's okay. That's not like necessarily a bad or wrong, wrong thing, but it's very easy for me to twist that into an idol. It's very easy for me to twist working and make my entire life about being productive and work and getting money and finding all of my value and all of my meaning in that and finding like, hey, I need to work and cling to this, cling to all my stuff and have this creation world that I've built up for myself. And so uh, keep, the idea of keeping Sabbath rest for me is I have this uh, picture of a tattoo in my arm of, of books. And for me, that is a, a, a pointing to the fact of like, you know what? You like reading. Take time to read. Take time to rest. Take time for Sabbath. Slow down. Enjoy life. Enjoy things that fill my soul. And so I love reading. It's okay to take some time to slow down and just read. And then my mind wants to even twist it further and be like, oh, I like theology. So let me read theology in a book. And then I'm kind of being productive at the same time. And that's good. But then I have to remind myself, it's okay. you don't have to do that. You can just read normal things as well. You don't always have to be productive even in your rest. And so again, we don't want to be legalistic about this. So if you're in a phase of life right now where you're just like needing to be extra productive because of you know, you're in school, or you're trying to like save up for something or whatever, like that's okay. There, there's grace for you. You don't like, there are maybe seasons and rhythms in our life where like we need to be extra productive, but you know, I hope that we, we don't find the need to just stay there. So Sabbath rest, like let's make that a priority. Are we doing that? Third thing is this, um, are you allowing your children and those under you, your animals, are you allowing uh, them rest as well? Like the, like the commandment uh, teaches. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can take that in a variety of ways. Uh, but if you literally employ people, if you manage people, oversee people at a job, you know, if you have someone who's under you in some capacity, like, are you allowing them rest? Are you giving them realistic goals to meet? Are you allowing them to have time off to spend time with their families? Or are you trying to squeeze more and more out of them? Or are you trusting like, you know, God with these things that like, hey, God wants you to be like a ruler and a manager with love and compassion? You know, are you allowing your children to rest? It's perfectly fine to want them to excel in life, to do well in various activities, to get good grades, like all of that kind of stuff. But it's also okay to let them be kids and to be teenagers and to just enjoy life as well. Are you allowing others in our lives the opportunity for Sabbath rest? Uh, the, uh, the other week I referenced uh, the, the, the one shift that restaurant workers all hate uh, in, in, in America. And that one shift that restaurant workers seem to uni, uh, unanimously like loathe is the shift uh, right after uh, church on Sundays, the Sunday afternoon lunch shift, the Sunday afternoon brunch shift, because that's when all the religious people are getting out of church. And apparently that shift is just full of very rude people who are very demanding and who tip poorly. So it's like the worst shift of the week. Everybody hates it. And I was, I was talking about like, just like that, that's really sad. And thinking about it, like, what if we flip that script on its head? What if we flip that? What if Christians were known for not only being good patrons, but also being good tippers as well? What if that became, instead of the shift that like restaurant servers hated, that they would actually fight over to get? What if restaurant servers like fought tooth and nail to get that shift? Because if they worked on a Sunday when the church people got out of work or out of, out of church, they would have, their tips would be overflowing. And if they worked that one shift, they would be actually okay for the rest of the week that they could actually pay their bills because the tips were so good. And so I think we need to go broad in our understanding of this commandment and how we interpret and apply them. 
And with keeping the Sabbath, we can go broad and we can get creative here. And so, yes, we need to be able to rest, take care, take care of ourselves, but we also need new eyes to see a big and hurting world that's out there and how we can be salt and light in exciting ways. And I think that any time that we as followers of Jesus are inspired to bring healing and help into a hurting world, to a world that's tired, I think that's broadly keeping the Sabbath. Anytime that we help to bring rest to those that are tired, to bring life and energy to those that are tired, I think that's keeping the Sabbath. And so what if we started picking local restaurants? We, and when I say we, collectively, the church, Papago Buttes, like everyone. Like, what if we started to pick local restaurants? We showed up after church. We shared a meal together. We had a good time. We were polite. We had good conversations. We weren't rude. And then we left a really good tip. Like, what if we started doing that? That is postmodern evangelism right there. That is bringing uh, Jesus as, as, and being people of salt and light in the 21st century in, the, in a unique way that we need to do. So people of faith, more often than not, make the news for reasons that are very, like, often not Christ-like. When I see an, an article about Christians and, like, something that's going on, nine out of ten times I click on it and I'm just, like, devastated by what I read. And uh, we need to change that. Uh, during my interview process a few months back, I brought up the example of the church uh, who made the news for, for a good reason. They actually purchased medical debt from the community. And so rather than spending money on themselves, they saw that there were so many people that, that were out there locally who struggled to pay their bills that were, uh, were saddled with crippling debt. Like medical debt is like this like just crazy thing in the world. So many people are just held down by like uh, paying their bills because of some medical procedure. And so in the spirit of keeping the Sabbath, they took care of the financial debt as a sign to the one who clears all of the debts. And that is just like beautiful to me. That's like, that is the church. That is being Jesus in the 21st century. That is the kind of Jesus that we need to be. And so we can be like the Pharisees. We can debate whether or not, you know, like certain actions are considered work or not. Or we can be like Jesus and bring healing in all kinds of crazy and wild and unique ways. And so, to my brothers and sisters here, to those on a faith journey trying to figure out what they believe, to those who are online listening later, let us honor the Sabbath and let us keep it holy. Let go of your time, enjoy creation, enjoy your family, enjoy your hobbies, take time off, take your vacation, and make time for God. Like, do all of those things in whatever capacity that looks like. And let us be inspired to live in a way that those around us and those under us have a Sabbath rest as well. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.